everybody. Welcome to episode number 560 of this here electronic engineering podcast called Amelia's Weekly Fish Fry, brought to you by eejournal.com and written, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Amelia Dalton. Are you ready for some high-speed interfaces, 2D network on chips, and machine learning processors? That's right, my friends. We're covering all of this and more in this week's Fish Fry podcast. My guests are Scott Schweitzer and Ron Renwick from Acronix, and we're talking all about FPGAs this week. But not just any field programmable gate arrays. We're talking about the Speedster 7T FPGAs. Ron, Scott, and I are talking about why Acronix's FPGAs are particularly well-suited for networking and SmartNIC tasks. The advantages of Acronix's accelerated network infrastructure code and the details of their new FPGA-powered accelerated automatic speech recognition solution. So, without further ado, please welcome Ron and Scott to Fish Fry. Hi, Ron. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Amelia. And hi, Scott. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having us, Amelia. So you guys just launched a new FPGA-powered accelerated automatic speech recognition solution, which uses your Speedster 7T FPGAs. Now, before we get into your solutions, tell me more about the Speedster 7T FPGA family. This family includes high-speed interfaces, 2D network on chips, and machine learning processors. Isn't that right, Ron? Yeah, Amelia, that's definitely right. And first, I want to say thank you, because uh, I'm so stoked to be having my name after that cool opening guitar riff that starts off the podcast. So <laughs> thank you very much for including us. But this is really about our Speedster 7T FPGAs. And you're absolutely correct. The Speedster family, while they are FPGAs, they offer high-speed interfaces, a two-dimensional network on chip, and they also offer machine learning processors. Now, the old days of FPGAs coming with just some general purpose I.O. and being just a computer array are long gone. And all vendors are offering high-performance I.O. We offer 400 gigabit Ethernet and PCIe Gen 5 by 16 for the fastest data connections. But, you know, almost that's table stakes anymore because the key is getting incoming data to the compute elements of the FPGA. Now, most FPGAs have to use the compute fabric to transfer data, or, or they have a few channels of like a network dedicated to data transfer and then use part of the compute fabric for essentially the last mile to get bits or packets to the individual LUTs. And Acronix recognized that using the FPGA fabric for data transport is pretty inefficient. You know, you've got a large array of compute elements, and yet you're using some for data transport when you really want them for network application acceleration. And so we came up with a two-dimensional network on chip, and that's an any-to-any -any network that provides up to four terabits of bandwidth for data transfers. And that's from an FPGA LUT to even any I.O. subsystem. So you can go I.O. to I.O., I.O. to compute, or any other element. Now, we do offer four ports of 400 gig Ethernet on that Speedster 7T FPGA, 
and it can be transported across the compute elements at four terabits a second. So we're not seeing a bottleneck just from the high-speed I.O. We actually have more of a fabric inside the chip than we can receive data for. And as you mentioned, we also offer machine learning processors. They have their own local memory. They're distributed throughout the compute fabric. And the users can set these to perform floating point or integer calculations based on their requirements. And these user-selected number formats allow for much faster communication. So yeah, the high-speed interfaces, a 2D network on chip, and machine learning processors allow our Speedster 7T FPGA family to accelerate a myriad of workloads. So Ron, based on all of that information, what kind of applications are the Speedster 7T FPGAs a good fit for? So keying off of what I mentioned earlier, our Speedster 7T FPGAs are an excellent fit for couple of primary applications. One is like AI ML inference. We recently released a paper comparing inference workloads across FPGAs and GPUs that some people would might want to take a look at. And it's also on a blog post on our website. Essentially what we're seeing is for inference workloads, we can get up to an 8x performance improvement. And I think this kind of ties into a recent podcast that you had with Stephen Latre where you two talked about co-designing software and hardware for AI ML workloads. And that can be the holy grail, but it's really hard to align the speed of software with the speed of hardware development. And while this isn't necessarily co-design, FPGAs, because they're reprogrammable and because they have fast pipelines, can enable custom algorithms for things like hardware-accelerated inference functions, which is about as close to co-designing as we can get. In addition, when you look at like our 2D knock, what it also enables is that IP blocks can be upgraded in real time. So you can essentially copy and paste or upgrade AI inference algorithms. And so you don't take down the chip. You can actually do continuous upgrade functionality. And what that allows people to do is have flexible hardware as their software improves. Another key application, and and Scott and I are focused on this, is network acceleration applications. FPGAs are excellent at processing highly parallelized data in real time. So networking applications like intrusion prevention, whitelisting, rapid access to tables for things like DDoS prevention, or any other smart NIC DPU application can be accelerated utilizing our high-speed I.O., our 2D knock, and our high-memory bandwidth. Something we didn't touch on, but is we also offer GDDR6 memory. We're one of the few FPGAs that do that. So we offer up to 1.6 terabits of memory bandwidth across 16 banks of GDDR6, which reduces the cost of memory significantly while increasing the bandwidth access to memory for things like high-speed table lookups. So... Any application that needs high-speed I.O. to be delivered in a timely manner, that needs continuous updating, is a really, really good fit for Speedster 70 FPGAs. So you guys also offer a vector path accelerator card as well. So tell me about this solution. So our vector path accelerator card is essentially the different consumption model. A lot of customers out there will do a chip down solution where they're designing a a board, they're designing an appliance, and they put the FPGA on their own PCB. 
And for development purposes, and then also for deployment purposes, we've developed the Vector Path card, which is a Speedster 7T1500 FPGA with full memory, full capability, two PCIe ports, one through an MCIO connector, QSF PDD and QSF D56 ports for 400 gig and 200 gig performance. And it allows customers to do a couple of things. One is deploy a standard full height PCIe card using our silicon. And the other is for customers who want to do development work prior to doing a chip down design, they can purchase a vector path card, they can install it in a system, they can use our ACE suite of design tools, and they can basically run their entire solution on our chip using a PCIe card. It allows basically flexibility that they can design first and then do chip down, or they can just use the card itself to deploy their solutions. Our recent announcement about automatic speech recognition with Myrtle is a vector path card where their solution is on our chip and it, it comes standard with that vector path card with the Myrtle solution. So it's a consumption model issue. What does a customer need? What does the customer need to test with? And how can they get to that very, very quickly? So Scott, back at the SmartNIC Summit, you announced a networking product. So can you tell me what this is about and what's special about your solution, given that there are so many NIC solutions already on the market? Thanks, Amelia. Yes, we announced Acronix's Accelerated Network Infrastructure Code. And what it essentially is, is a pipeline of, you could think of it as Lego bricks that allow a customer to build a NIC in a manner that that suits the needs of their business, right? Most NICs, when you purchase them from vendors, they are what they are the day you get them, and they will be that for the rest of their life. With an FPGA-based NIC, all of the, the stuff in the middle between the high-speed pipes, you know, 400 gig Ethernet pipe that comes in and the PCI Express Gen 5 that goes up to the host, everything in the middle is basically a blank sheet of paper. Right. And it's up to you or up to the FPGA provider to provide how those two pieces are connected and what happens in the middle. So what we've done for our customers is we've two things. We have the ANIC shell and then we have the full ANIC. The ANIC shell provides essentially a packet interface that plugs into the Ethernet side. It's got a, a first in, first out FIFO buffer because we're talking about high data rates, 100 gigabit Ethernet or 400 gigabit Ethernet. You have to be able to buffer this kind of stuff. FIFO buffer, and then there's a parser that takes a packets out of the buffer, it pulls the header out of them and can expose that and then pass that packet of data with the header pulled out to the customer's logic. And the customer could then have in, in the FPGA, their denial of service defense software or their deep packet inspection or flow analytics or whatever it is they're looking to do in the FPGA, they can have it there. And then we also provide a soft DMA engine to pass those packets up to the host code. And we have both a, a ring buffer DMA as well as a scatter gather DMA. And there's two different approaches because, you know, one is more latency specific and one is more bandwidth focused. So we've got two different approaches for that. And that gives customers basically a shell into which they can put their own code. And now what we're working on and we'll have available shortly is the fuller ANIC where we can drop in into the center what's essentially a flow processor or a generic flow processor, if you want to use more of a Azure's context for it, as well as a rules engine. And what that does is it 
It's a huge table for our 100G shell. It's 16 million entry table for the 400G shell, it's 64 million. And what it allows you to do is track the status of every flow of, of network traffic that goes through the NIC and determine what you want to do with that flow. Do you want to drop the flow? Do you want to allow it to pass? Do you want to modify it? Do you want to reroute it? Do you want to U-turn it? There's a bunch of different things you can do with it. And then we keep all the statistics on that. And then we have an SDK that allows you to pull those statistics whenever you need to. And then the rules engine handles all the exceptions. If you don't pre-fill the flow table with you know what you expect, you can put rules in. And as a, the first packet of a new flow arrives, the rules engine will then analyze that packet and it will fire off essentially one rule per clock cycle. Because it's an FPGA, we can actually act with every clock cycle on a packet to decide what we're going to do with it. And you can cascade through some number of rules and eventually a rule match uh, worst case, there's a, a catch-all rule at the end. And what we'll do at that point is we'll do the appropriate action with that packet, and then we'll update the flow processor table with the rule or the flow action for that packet. So as future packets for that flow arrive, we know what to do with them, and they can be fast-pathed to the customer logic or or straight up to the host, depending on what you're trying to do. So that's what we announced back at SmartNIC Summit. It's a flexible, programmatic way to build a, a SmartNIC to do very specific things at wire rate. Scott, what do you think makes a Chronix FPGAs particularly well-suited for networking and SmartNIC tasks? A couple things. The fact that we support up to 400 gig Ethernet gives us the, the full range of performance available to servers today. We can support up to four 400 gig interfaces, but more practically, it's two. And we have PCI Express Gen 5 on the other side by 16, which gives us 512 theoretical gigabit pipeline to the host for processing that data if you want to send it up to the host. Uh, more often than not, you know, you're going to be doing stuff in the NIC and you're not necessarily going to forward everything up. But those two elements of having high speed on both ends, and then it's the whole 2D concept in the middle, because we've kind of built this multi-stage pipeline as a set of Lego-like bricks, they don't have to exist in specific spots in the FPGA fabric. You can put them on the fabric and then assign a, a network access point to that block of logic. It will then be able to pass its data to whatever the next block is just by using the network on chip. And that allows us to say, hey, you know what? I want to optimize my code around two 100 gig interfaces and utilize the chip for doing distributed denial of service attack defense. And you could have multiple engines on the back end that are processing those attacks. And it would be totally unknown to the host, right? The host would just, it might see 100 gigabits flowing in when in fact there's 200 gigabits coming into the server, but 100 of it is, you know, some attacker somewhere. And it's just being dropped and, and the host sees no impact at all. So we've got methodologies and the ability to operate at, at kind of gate speed on packets that allows us to sustain wire rate functionality in a lot of, a lot of cases. So let's talk about Acronix's Accelerated Network Infrastructure Code, or ANIC. What do you think are the biggest advantages that it offers network operators? Well... If you take one of the biggest network operators, Microsoft Azure, their fabric is built on, on an FPGA architecture. And they did that because they want a dynamically programmable front end to their cloud service. By having that capability, you know, with Acronix, you can define what it is you're trying to accelerate 
before those packets, you know, come into the server or come into the server's memory subsystem, CPU subsystem, and have total control over that. You could even, if you wanted to, put the FPGA in front of a traditional NIC so that the traditional NIC could do the normal NIC workload type stuff, but you could have the FPGA doing advanced features in front of that. Uh, like I said, you know, denial of service or deep packet inspection, that kind of stuff, and filter the traffic even before it gets handed to a conventional NIC. So I've seen use cases where people have brought the traffic into the FPGA, have the FPGA be a, a hard pipeline stage, and then have it come out and then go in a traditional NIC and up to the host in that case. And that way, they, from the host perspective, they're dealing with a, a traditional NIC. But from a pipeline perspective, we've basically put a high-performance appliance in front of the conventional NIC, but it's all hosted within the same server box. So it gives you a lot more flexibility than you would get from a standard network card. Okay, so Ron, let's also talk about your new FPGA-powered accelerated automatic speech recognition solution. Okay, yeah, let's talk about that. So we announced that our solution in partnership with Myrtle AI for accelerating automatic speech recognition is now available. So we use Myrtle AI's ASR solution, and it couples exactly with things that we've been talking about this entire podcast. Things like having a very high-speed two-dimensional network on chip, having machine learning processors that you can set to optimize your inference results, allow us to deploy their solution and accelerate ASR. So in a situation where you need to support a thousand concurrent streams, you can use a single Speedster 70 FPGA. Normally that would take about 15 GPU cards or 20 CPU only based systems. So the benefit is an OPEX and a CAPEX reduction, better performance. And what you're seeing is better speech to text capabilities. So like a call center will have real time transcription occurring. And the closer you can get that to real time, the better the experience is for the customer. And then when the customer has a better experience, then they're going to like the solution better. Because we've got this extremely low latency FPGAs from an application acceleration perspective, we're enabling solutions to be deployed that can get a lot faster you can do much more parallel operations, and you can also be a lot more accurate. Fantastic. All right, it's time for your off-the-cuff question. Now, you can buy standard off-the-cuff. So if you could have one meal right now, doesn't matter if it's on the other side of the world, you need a passport to get there, what would you have? Man, Amelia, I was really, really hoping you'd throw me with a different one. I've been listening to the show for a while. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to get the food question. I know I'm going to get the food question. But yeah, so I was thinking about something else. But then yesterday we were on a call with a customer. And it turned out he and I actually kind of had some old home tendencies. I grew up uh, somewhere near Ventura, California. And he mentioned this Mexican place, this walk-up Mexican place that has just got the best breakfast burritos in the world. And you used to swim the pier, get out, grab a breakfast burrito. And I've been thinking about that for the last 24 hours. So this doesn't take a passport, but I'm gonna say the barrel at the point market in Santa Cruz, because after a long cold morning in the ocean, nothing beats a bacon breakfast burrito. 
doesn't take a passport. For me, it's just about a 40 minute drive and it includes some good time on the ocean. So I'm going to go with just my good old bacon breakfast burrito. I love it. And in one of the best places in the whole world, Santa Cruz. Love it. Fantastic. Well, it was awesome to speak with both of you. Thank you so much, Ron. Thank you, Amelia. And thank you, Scott. Thank you, Amelia. Hey, have you checked out EE Journal on social media yet? Well, you should. You can find us at facebook.com slash EE Journal. If you're into X, you can monitor our tweets at EE Journal TFM. And don't forget, if you would like to follow my personal account, check out Amelia D. 1978. And hey, if LinkedIn is more your thing, sure, I dig it. You can follow us or me on LinkedIn as well. And we have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash eejournal. Folks, it is chock full of all kinds of techie videos, including our very popular Chalk Talk webcast series hosted by yours truly. And, of course, you can subscribe to our EE Journal YouTube channel as well. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this here podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or just about any other podcasting platform to listen to some really exciting upcoming episodes. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you know of any cool new technology or heck you just want to chat, shoot me a line at Amelia, that's A-M-E-L-I-A, at eejournal.com, or post a comment on our forums on eejournal. For the week of December 24th, 2023, I'm Amelia Dalton, and you've been fried.